morning, beautiful people. Happy Tuesday. Happy MLK weekend, week, 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 because the celebration is going on. And uh, I mean, all this week, there's some MLK stuff going on. So MLK is about to become a month. <laughs> We're about to become a month, y'all. It's about to be on and pop it. Good morning. I'm Babs Ross Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Thank y'all for all the folks I met yesterday at uh at the 27th annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy of Social and Environmental Justice, the Z Experience Poetry Slam. Man, what? That thing was so much fire, I couldn't breathe. I literally could not breathe with all the level of poets that was in that space performing. I have forgotten how much I have missed spoken word done that way, you know, done well. Ah, it was pure fire. And, you know, people came, I mean, they just came with the best words. I mean, it was just everything. I, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. From the open mic to the, to the uh, performance piece by a couple of folks, uh, the group poetry performance. I mean, gosh. And then, and then the poetry slam. It was, I mean, it was pure. If you missed it, you just missed it. I swear to God, if you missed it, you just missed it. And, you know, the, the goal was to go for a little bit and then go see the children perform, the uh, Music Haven kids perform. Baby, I couldn't leave. I could not leave. So, hey, Harry, good morning. Hey, Paul, good morning. I, I would imagine Paul might be doing word on the street. Um, see what's happening. Uh, I don't know. I never know until I get here. <laughs> what I never know what's happening until I get here. So anyway, yesterday, um, it was hosted by uh, Ngoma and uh, Criollo, uh, Samexan, which was amazing. Open, open mic poets, Ahmad Robinson, Brother Bear, The Bread is Rising with Carlos Raul Dufla and Angel uh, Martinez, uh, Ethereal Empress, and The Brown, a.k.a. Pyro. And also, I know also because he performed for us at uh, at the uh, Arts Council annual meeting. And then the group poetry performance was uh, Abiose, Joseph Cole, Shermont, Influence, Little, and Michael Peterson, uh, Chief. And then the poetry slam poets, uh, Abiose, Joseph Cole, Amira Shabazz, Bilal, uh, Chevron Guthrie, D. Collin, Goddess Tamani Rain. And Lord have mercy, she was incredible. Uh, Hattress Barber, who was another one, beautiful poem on, on Black women and motherhood and all of that. Lyrical Faith, ha, she was incredible. Ray Jane, Tashala Williams, Slankston Hughes, who won. Um, he was just, he was just otherworldly. And William Washington and uh, uh, Yazandra Diaz. Uh, Yex, who I, I've been following Yex for quite some time. So it, I mean, I don't even know how I could, you have to, there's no description for this. I guess if you, if you want to know a good description, um, check out Brian Slatery, because he was in the space. So I know, you know, Brian is a, a very intellectual cat. So I know he brought his, his vibe to the, to the story. Uh, for the New Haven Independent. So I haven't checked the Independent, but Brian Slater was in the space, so I know 
he uh he he's got something for you to talk about and then uh the young sister um that um lucy uh dispatched from um the arts paper to the event young sister from uh delta sigma theta pi alpha chapter here in at yale uh, so she was in the space covering it i think i gave her a little bit of quote or something i think it's something about posts for these times anyway um had a good time had a really good time so anyway oh let me let me just give you an update the heart is no longer broken <laughs> i had a week it was enough i'm over it <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm so over the heartbreak. First of all, heartbreak doesn't suit me. Second thing, I it's I, I just have a different mindset about it. I just have a different, I have a different state of mind about it. And you know, I had I sat up last night with Ife and we drank a little wine and ate some Indian food and we had good conversation. If y'all don't have good girlfriends to talk to, I do you even exist on this planet? Anyway, we had a good conversation uh, last night. And, you know, all our conversations are deep and abiding with my girlfriends. You know, even when they're silly, they're deep and abiding silliness. But we sit and we talk like women, like women talk about all kinds of things. But anyway, we were talking about, we just were having a conversation last night about uh, uh, relationships and, and the depth of them and the growth of them and how we want them to be manifested in our lives and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I and I just came to a realization that I I like the trajectory of my life. I I love where I stand in this moment. Like I absolutely love it. Now, yes, there are some things that are that are on my nerves. <laughs> like I live in a storage dorm, <laughs> and I and I don't have opportunity to trick out my apartment the way I want. But that's one thing. For the most part, for 98% of the of my life, I'm actually loving it. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. I am loving it. So anyway, we were talking last night and I and I just made the leap that I I I, I don't have a broken heart. I did have a broken heart, I don't have a broken heart now. And and the heart wasn't broken in half or in or in pieces. It was just kind of stunned a little bit startled chipped it's fine i think sometimes you gotta you gotta have those kinds of those kind of guideposts in your life to sort of like okay you're fine your heart works having a broken heart just means your heart works <laughs> that i am capable of 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 deep and abiding love and i and i'm grateful for that like i just i'm happy about that so so anyway I no longer have a heart broken heart. What I have is a new resolve to sort of think about and really think about the kind of love I want to come forward. And I'm already surrounded by amazing love. So it's not like I'm gonna go look for something that I don't already have. That that's not it. I already I have so much love around me that it just I, I just feel every step I take is a blessing. Like everywhere I go, it's a blessing. Like when I was, when I stepped into possible futures on Sunday and people were glad to see me, it brought tears to my eyes. Not because I 
not because I've never had people be glad to see me. Like I'm a mother, I'm sister, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a friend. I, people are glad to see me sometimes, but to sort of be celebrated while I'm very much alive and in control of all my faculties. And not to say that I won't be celebrated when I die, but to bear witness. It's it's almost, and, and nobody's probably going to understand this, but it was like walking into my own eulogy and, and happily so. Do you understand? Like, that's how I want to feel. And I want other people to feel this way. Like, I stepped into my eulogy of people whispering, not even whispering, shouting and singing my blessings and my and my praises. I don't know anything that's like that. Eulogies are good for that, right? But normally eulogies are given when people are dead. <laughs> so if I'm dead, I don't get to hear or participate in all the goodness that is heaped upon me. So that's why when I walked in the bookstore on Sunday and I was so moved by the outpouring of love and admiration, and it was genuinely genuine love and admiration. I was, I was just, I felt like this is what I want my eulogy to be. Like I, I want, I want this. <laughs> so I'm glad I got to, and I know for some people this might be odd or morbid. It's not for me because I, I don't know of any other opportunity where, I mean, unless you're getting an award, but awards don't give you that same kind of sincerity. I mean, it just, there's just not opportunity to, to do that. But when somebody just gives you a gift out of the blue and just says, thank you for whatever, thank you for being in the world. I mean, gosh, I was so moved by that. I'm still moved by it. I have this beautiful angel, you know, I, I have a, now it's my third angel, my third, my third angel by, uh, by, uh, by the sister who makes them, Karima's mama, <laughs> Linda, she makes them. And, and we're going to collaborate on a project together because I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to be doing a, a, a installation for the Creative Arts Workshop for the whole piece that Nico Whedon and Malik are, are curating. So I'm, I'm just beside myself. Like, I'm telling you, when I tell you this is a good time, it's a good time for my black ass. It's a good time. <laughs> It's a good, and I'm not, I'm not missing a damn thing except like a winning lottery ticket. Like that's the only thing I would, I would say, is missing out of my life. Like a winning lottery ticket, and I say winning a, a winning lottery ticket because I would love to have the kind of money that I could really have some impact and leverage on some of the stuff that I want to do. And even when I'm saying that, I'm like, well, Paz, what is it you want to do, and who should you talk to? You don't need a winning ticket. You just need to make stronger connections and longer connections i know but you know money would just would just allow me to just like i do what i want <laughs> do you know what i mean like a winning lottery ticket would just give me i do what i want so anyway here comes word on the street with paul bass i'm in a good mood y'all i'm it's tuesday i'm good hey paul good, good morning, morning. Babs. how you doing I'm good. How are you? Good. I'd like to have you say good morning. You might have met this gentleman, Bubakar Diallo. He's the uh, owner of New Haven Furniture Plus in on Whaley Avenue. Oh, no, I didn't know there was a furniture store on Whaley Avenue. I'm okay. All my pleasure. Thank you. I think it's 16 years, you said? Yes, uh, 16, uh, 14 years. 14 years. It's across from New Haven Bank, right next to the Best Gas and the Plaza with Matthew Harp's company. 
Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, right by Sherman. I know so exactly I where it is. Morning, when I came this morning, Mr. Diallo was actually closing the store. How come you were locking up? Just because uh, to be a good citizen. I say just to be a good citizen because anytime uh, like a public people like yeah need the uh, you know anything they need about the community we we ready for. I meant this morning you were locking. Where are you headed now? Uh, I just was going to the bank. What you doing at the bank? Just to make some deposit. And you you do banking right across the street at New Haven Bank. Yes, sir. It wasn't always there when you started, right? Yes. Do you go there because it's so convenient, or exactly? And just to support us, anything coming from the community, we have uh -huh. to support it. Yes. And so, what's been going on lately? How's business these days? Okay, a little uh, hard because uh, after the COVID, uh, we're still struggling, but we have to do what you gotta do. Now you sell furniture. Yes. Curtains and rods, and living room sets and bedroom sets. During COVID, didn't people still need that? Not, not really. You know. How come? Yes, because. Uh, Mostly people, they come in after the tax time. That is the time maybe they got some money. But in the COVID, uh, people mostly stay home. We mm. was open, you know, just to be convenient for our community. Mm -hmm. But now business is very, very tough. <laughs> now, you said it gets better after tax season? Yes. Because people get refunds. Exactly. So your clientele would be lower income then. Because exactly. other people, they're losing money in tax. Exactly. And, uh, and so the deal of the season, you said, will be $1,200. I'm looking at your sign. A living room set, two pieces. Um, a bedroom set, five pieces. Is that, you put that up for tax season because it's a tough time, tax season? Exactly. Just to help people to get what they need, you know, because that the only this time they can have some kind of amount they can spend. Has anyone come in and said, okay, I'll do that? Yes. You've sold a deal. Of exactly. Season. We just give you like the set for the house. Like living room, bedroom, room, and kitchen. Bedroom for and the kitchen set, yeah, for two, uh, from 1200 Oh, what do you mean? Oh, it could be higher. Yeah, it's going to be but higher. But has anyone actually come in and said, said, Bubakar, saw your sign, deal the tax season, I'm going to buy this set? Yes, we say, okay, we show you all the goods you can have from like a 12, like a... 1200 what you're gonna get and if you need something more like a better quality we just let you watch the book and make your choice what i meant is has anybody has it worked yes has, has someone come in and said i saw the sign i want to buy that exactly we, we give you because but we, I, we, did it happen yeah mostly of the time yes who came in sometime like uh especially this years because we do it in three four years uh -huh. and uh like maybe 50 percent in our sale it's just why like the low income people, uh -huh. they just move to new house. They don't have nothing. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we have to just give them what they need for 1200 You also do phones, I see, Xfinity. Yes, we, we do uh, like a, photo ID cards. Yeah, we make uh, some emergency ID cards. Like uh, for people just want to need ID because it is more convenient uh, to just go to DMV. You and know. I see you have AT&T and Xfinity cards. Exactly. So you've been here 13 years. 14. 14. Yes. Did you have to change what you sell to stay in business? Like, do you have to add things that you see that your customers need? Because it's not every furniture story where you also get a photo ID card. Okay. Yes. Because what happened is uh, I was in downtown five years ago. Like, I think we, I remember that. Yes. Where we was in downtown. Yeah. In 2007, you have the big fire. And I have to All move right. from, yes, from downtown to here now. So that was chapel near church. Exactly. And at that time, it was a 
better in downtown, but we have to move over there because the rent go very, very uh, high. And we was paying like around $6,000 a month. And here our rent is a little lower. But and then it burned down anyway. Exactly, it burned down. And after I have to re relocate it, uh, business. So what do you pay here? Uh, uh, $1,800 a still. month. Still? Yes. Is it a smaller store or same size? No, it's a small, more smaller. You know, mm -hmm. that's why we have to, when we recall, uh, uh, relocated the place, we have to see what you cannot do just to get more customers because furniture is just for the, uh, after the tax time. It just to make maybe So the 13, the, the 14 years is this site? Yes. How, how is, how's it gone? You've been here 14 years. So it's that, yes, because uh, we have to, because in downtown we do furniture only. But when we move here, we try after two years, it was not working the way we want. At that time, we say, okay, let's do more things like uh, the community needs, his cell phones, like uh, refill uh, the monthly plan phones, you know, some uh, house, you know, cleaning, all these things. I see you got yes. the cleaning. Exactly. We have to do... So it just where you move. Exactly. Now, did you notice that where your store used to be, for 14 years, it stayed that way, but now they're building on it. Did you see that? Uh, like we, we they we, just started now. Yeah, it was an empty lot for us. Yes, exactly. We just start now, and uh, at that time we have always to see what our community need and to move that way. We just follow like the the customer desire. And how? And you came from Senegal at what age? Yes, Senegal is the country of West. No, Africa. no. So no. How old were you when you came? Uh, I I I was uh, forty. And why did you come here? Okay. I come here because uh, I uh, discovered New Haven in 1995. I was here because uh, I was a head uh, coach for my uh, country because I was athlete before. What kind of athlete? Uh, track and field. I ran two Olympics. Yeah, I ran two Olympics. At what age? Uh, I was uh, 20. I ran in uh, LA in 1984 for 400, 400 meters. And I was uh, I ran four years before at Moscow in 1980. And where were you living at that time? At that time, I was living in uh, in uh, Europe because I was a student in France. Mm -hmm. I do all my academics in France. At that time, I was living in Europe. When I got here in 1984 after the Olympics, I find the country nice, people good. I just say okay, <laughs> but I go back home. When I got back home, I was. Uh, working for the program of Special Olympics, uh, like a, a Senegalese uh, executive for the program. In 1995, I come here for the World Games. I remember that. Yes, it was in uh, 1995. I do remember that. And uh, after that, I meet my wife, my, you know, and uh, four years later, I just decided to come in America. And so you went back to Senegal after Special Olympics? Yes. So what was it about the Special Olympics in 1995 that you remembered that made you like New Haven? Like the kindness of people, you really? know. And, uh, We're nice. Yes, it's, people are nice here, honestly. Babs is nice. You know, and uh, <laughs> the mostly things is, uh, I find, uh, because uh, I, will, I get my PhD in France, and uh, when I see here, I have an opportunity to meet a lot of people in the university community, especially Yale University, and, and I ask, you know, I see is a is a place I'm very very comfortable because that is you know nice people, and you learn a lot about America's story, 
you know, uh, you you see people can uh, exchange about lot of things. I like, you know, Austin, uh, especially about uh, how America history is built, how uh, people are, how the citizenship is more important here. You know, because I what I like in America that is the patriotism. People love the country, and you see it in July 4, uh, you know, and you see it every day. You see how people is uh, they stick together, especially the black. I, I community. think you have a customer. What was your PhD in? Uh, sociology. Okay, I'm gonna let you get to your customer. Yes, he's here. Um, do you want Babs? Do you have any last questions for? Bubba no, Park? I I enjoyed this very much. Now I'm gonna come over there and see what you got. <laughs> You got a customer. Okay. Okay. Oh wait, your customer left. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Your PhD was in. In sociology. Sociology. And what yes. what track event did you run? Uh, I ran 100, uh -huh. 200, and 400. And how old were you when you were in the Olympics those two times? Uh, in Moscow, I was uh, 18, and uh, in uh, LA, I was 22. And was it for the Senegalese team? Yes. How did you do in the Olympics? Okay, in my first Olympic, I ran in semifinal or 100 meters flat. And in LA, we, I uh, ran in a, a quarterfinal for 400 and uh, four by four with my... Uh, Did you win? No. What, I was, was it, what was it like to be in the Olympics? No, because I was... Uh, Did you Afri like it? Africa, yeah, I was African champion. I was African champion in 200 meters in 1982. And... Uh, I was in 1983. I was in semi-final for the World, World uh, Championship in Helsinki wow. in Europe. I was like mostly for like between 15 and 20 most uh, better performance in 200. That's why uh, I was qualified. Do you still for the run? No. Now sometimes just some, you know, go to the gym. How old are you now? Now I'm uh, uh, 58. And do you think there's any comparison running a store? You're doing the long distance run with this furniture store. 14 years later, you still got it going. You're trying to figure out how to keep it going. Is there anything that's the same about running track and running a furniture store? Just the faith, the faith first, and the belief to yourself. Because I, I was a PhD, but I need, okay, you can change fields and doing well too. You know, because the contact with people is very mostly important. And every single day, I learn. You know, I have, I was raised by my mom. We are 10 kids in my family. I'm the only boy. I have nine sisters, you know. And, Did they dote on you? Yes. And um, <laughs> it's how life is. You, every day you learn. What, what's something you learned yesterday or today? Just stay humble. <laughs> Always humble, you know. Humble is a, is, a, is a good thing. All right. Yeah. Should we let him get back to the bank? Thank Th you so much for your you, time. Babs. Thank this you so much. I enjoyed okay, this. Bonjour. Bonjour. Bonjour, Monsieur. From Word on the Street, Whaley Avenue. I love Babs. Love talk. 103.5 FM live stream at newhavenindependent.org. All right. Bonjour. Oh, I love that. See? You can't tell me. You cannot tell me. That New Haven is not the coolest damn place on the planet. You just can't tell me that. I just love this guy. Now, now I'm going to make my way over to his store just to see. I had no idea. Like, I didn't even pay attention. I didn't know. I had no idea. So now I got to go see what they got. <laughs> Lord knows I don't need to buy a damn thing. But I want to go see. And, uh, and just 
listen to him speak, you know, speak in that French dialect. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If you have a French dialect, French accent, your 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 your, your sex appeal meter is out off the charts. <laughs> your sex appeal meter, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you look like. If you have a French accent or a French dialect baby, it's just automatic sex appeal. Automatic. There's no discussion, no nothing. Just ding, 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 ding. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I hope I'll find some some Olympic pictures of him from back in the day, right? Because I mean that's such a cool and interesting thing. New Haven is chock full of the most interesting people that make this city go. That's why I don't understand why we have such lackluster mayoral leadership. <laughs> That's why I don't understand. The mayor doesn't match the city. <laughs> we have a mayor that does not match the city. Oh, I know. But we'll see. We'll see what these new elections bring. I, I don't got, I, listen, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just pay attention like everybody else and pay attention. That's it. I'm just going to pay attention and uh, see what happens. Uh, so yeah, Gary Winfield, Gary uh, Winfield was at Celentano this morning, and uh, I got a chance because he live streamed a few minutes of it. So I got a chance to like jump on and say good morning, Celentano. So they'll be back at it in February. The whole schedule was up on their page, up on the Because You Matter page. So if you want to know where they're going so you could get out there in the morning and welcome these babies to school, because it's a big deal. It's a it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So it's a big deal. Everyone should have that kind of excitement and happiness to to be uh, invited into a space. And school is just the just the right sort of place. Um, so. So Lucy Gelman was yesterday at uh because she wasn't at the poetry slam and she had dispatched a correspondent to the poetry slam. She was at the uh at the uh, first and Summerfield first and Summerfield Church checking out the uh the music. And that's where I was trying to get to yesterday too, but the poetry the poetry had me baby. I couldn't I couldn't walk out. So anyway, her piece is up on the New Haven Independent. I mean on the Arts Council um, at the arts paper space. Um, and you know, Mr. Kenneth Joseph, um, who directs the uh, St. Luke Steel Band, uh, was uh, in perfect form. So uh, I wish I could have gotten there. And uh, it would be nice if somebody had streamed it so I could see it. But the pictures are glorious. And the article will make you feel like you were there. So there's some video. So I'm looking forward to uh, going back and reading this and going back and listening. And it looked like it was a full house. It looks like a full house. So I, I enjoyed that very much. That was just wonderful. So I, I and uh, I, and by enjoy, I mean, I love that this was happening. Like, I love that this was happening. Uh, and that, and, and that, you know, I don't mind when things compete, like people get all bent out of shape because they can't make a decision. Listen, it's fine. I don't want everybody to go to all everything all at once. I think some people should go to that thing. Some people should go to that thing. Some people should go to that thing. Like that's the, that's the offering. The offering is there's a lot of things to choose from. And that's, that's the blessing too, right? That you have so much to choose from. And then you have to discern 
about where you want to spend that time. Do I want to go hear poetry, you know, like slam, or do I want to go hear music in a church? Do I want to go over there and see some art? Do I want to go over there and be in a discussion? I love it. That's, but that's what makes the city amazing. Like there's so much and there should be so much. It shouldn't be everybody goes to this thing and that's all there is. No, there should be a plethora of things. And, and it seems to be so. So there you go. I'm, it's all right with me. So I'm going to get this, I'm going to get my programming scheduled up, get some folks on so I can talk about a few things. Uh, I met this, uh, uh, there's this young sister that uh, Michael Tweedy turned me on to, and I met her as a matter of fact. Um, she's a she's a dietitian, but she's not your run of the mill dietitian. So I'm gonna have her come on. We talk about have some health conversations. Um, I got some other folks who are coming on to do some more stuff. Um, Tiny Pooh Hughes and the and the and her her uh, organization uh, is gonna come on, and they're gonna talk about you know, work stuff and, and rights and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Anru is here frequently. So we get our Orishas in order <laughs> and we, we could, we commune with the, with the ancestors, which I love, love, love. Uh, and then, you know, we'll just figure out, we'll just keep it moving as we, we go on. There's uh, an event coming up um, to learn about the Black Panther party and, and, and their, their effect on, uh, on modern America. I'm looking forward to that. There's an event coming up. Um, check your Facebook spaces uh, for for that coming out of possible futures. That's going to be exciting. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of thought provoking sort of things. Wednesday, uh, Martin Luther King III will be in town in conversation with James Foreman, I believe at Woosley Hall. So that's wonderful. So there's all these opportunities to sort of get your intellect on, you know, wide and wide and how you think and ponder. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I want y'all to love it too. So get out there. So, so people are not like, oh, nothing is happening. Nothing is going on. Yeah, it's not all party. It's not all party with a purpose. There are some actual thought-provoking things happening where you can expand your intellect and have deep and abiding conversations with people and learn a thing or two, I think. Learn a thing or two. So revolution in our time, teaching and learning about the Black Panther Party. Um, and, you know, you think you know all that you know about the Black Panther Party, but you don't. So there's that. Um, uh, Andrew, this Christmas gave me uh, uh, the book on the women of the black panther party you know it's a big old coffee table book it's lovely uh and i enjoy it immensely so so yeah because i've been on him to like um uh, read more about women in the movement <laughs> and and i think he was just trying to turn the tables on me <laughs> i i consider them turned because he gave me the book it's a good book so i was like all right cool cool beans Cool, cool beans. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I have the mind, the bandwidth to talk about um, national politics. You know the 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 uh, what's going on with the president and and the doc the 
documents or classified documents at the house. I don't even know. You know, it's, you know, listen, when you move, stuff gets moved. You don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, Biden doesn't strike me as somebody. Like, he's not Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump is petty. He's petty and mean-spirited and and took documents because I could do what I want. I don't think Biden doesn't strike me as that guy. I don't think he thought, I don't think he was like, oh, I'm going to run out with these documents. Let me let me put them in my house in the basement or in the garage. I don't think that. I mean, I think just, I think, you know, because the news is so sensationalized, you know, it could have been those documents weren't classified when they, when they found their way to his office or garage or somebody just, you know, interns or whatever picked up boxes and just said, Oh, let me, this looks like it goes to the president's, the uh, vice president's house. Cause it was while he was the vice president. I think this goes to his house. Let's just move them. Cause they were sitting there with dust on them. It wasn't like nobody was, pouring over them or anything they were just boxes right so i don't know whatever i'll just let it go with that <laughs> i'm just gonna i i don't i'm not even gonna get into that um i'll just let them they'll sort it out they'll, they'll, they'll set up sort it out uh there was another mass shooting yesterday oh that's what we do in America. This is what we're known for, mass shootings. So I guess there was a mass shooting at an MLK event somewhere. Um, I guess people at the event had some beef and decided to settle it with some gunfire. That's that's the gist of it, as I know it. Like, I don't think anybody was opening fire on them. I think people were just having beef on a, on a peaceful day. <laughs> I just... I don't, I just, nobody thought, you know what, let's not do this today on MLK Day. Like, let's not, I don't understand this whole, let me solve my problem with a gun. Because they're going to catch you, and then you're going to do a ridiculous amount of time. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I love my freedom. I can't ever not have my freedom again, Lord, taken. Never again. Never again. Never again. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, that's a horse of another color. So y'all know that the uh, Chrisleys are going to jail. I didn't realize they had so much time. Jeez. I was like, they got like 19 years. I was like, really? Uh, I gotta find a story. I, I, you know, I was a fan of their show. Uh, I really was a fan of the their show. What do they call? What do they call the Cressleys? Chrisleys? I don't know. But anyway, they have they have a um, they have a a, a reality show, uh, and I I loved them. I didn't watch them a whole lot. Like I didn't, I wasn't a fan like that. Uh, but I, I did enjoy them. Oh, Todd Cressley, Cressley, Cressley. Uh, Todd and Julie Cressley, I and I and I chatted with him a few times through Twitter. You know, like back and forth. Like I like your show. You know, because he's very southern, and he reminded me. 
of he reminded me like of black people the way he he came to stuff you know the way that he talked about things and the way that uh he carried on so um i was like so i liked him because i thought he was folksy and down homey and i didn't know they had stole all this money <laughs> who knew they stole like 30 million dollars or some old mess so anyway um, they've there's they've been sentenced and uh they've got to turn themselves in today. And uh so I guess good morning America, they had some folks down there at the prison where he's supposed to turn in by 12. And if I could offer him a bit of advice, I would go before 12 because you're gonna be sitting in that holding place till after lunch. And if I were you, I would just get in there as early as I could. You know, that's it. That's a lot of time. So let me let me go see how much time. Whew. No one falls from grace. No, and people fall to grace. We have to stop that narrative. No one falls from grace. You fall to grace. You just fall to grace. You know. So uh so they were sentenced in June. Uh no, they were sentenced in November. 19 years in prison. How do you do night? I don't. I don't. I don't even know that stuff, man. Is painful. So anyway, uh, I'm. I'm. Let me see who I could read. Somebody reputable. Uh, so they was running errands and stuff like that the night before. Yeah, you gotta do all you gotta do. You gotta. Gotta. You know, they got five children between the. Uh, so he has two children with his first wife, Teresa Terry, and three children with his second wife, Julie. So five kids. Uh, it's painful. I, 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 I <sighs> bankruptcy, fame, and prison. So we'll see what happens if they can get some. I don't, I don't know if they'll, like, you know, federal time, you got to do like 90% of it or something. They're going to be old people. That'd be like me going to prison right now for 20 years. I couldn't do it. I, I seriously could not do it. I couldn't do it. And I, and I only spent like a, a few days in prison. I couldn't do it. If I had to stay longer, I don't know if I would have survived. That's just the, I, listen, you can think I'm strong all you want, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I would have. I didn't have a choice, you know, because, I mean, I was looking at, what, 14, 15 months. So, you know, I can't imagine 19 years, 19 years in a federal. Well, you know, a federal prison camp is a little better than full-on prison. At least you get to, you've got some room to go outside, you know, in your own time, right? You can go outside. You can be on the grounds. That's a lot better than being locked down 23, 24 hours out of the day. Like I, that would just, that would just wear me out. So anyway, they, I guess they got, they did defrauded banks out of $30 million, you know, fraudulent, fraudulent, fraudulent loans and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, uh, well, you know, 
I hold him in my prayers. So he was sentenced to 12 years in prison and she was sentenced to seven. So, and then they'll be on probation for three years after. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of time. You know, I mean, they got one very young child uh, and their other children are grown. So, you know, that's tough. Well, I mean, I'm sure they'll still get some money from the shows and reruns and uh, yeah. So, I mean, they'll just do their time. I mean, they'll, he'll get in there. He'll be fine. Like nobody's going to beat him up or anything. Like that's not going to happen. Like people will be very sympathetic to them. You know, uh, they'll do their time. And uh, hopefully they, they they will be humbled and, and learn something from this moment. And, it, and, it, and even though it's seven years for her and 12 years for him, it is a, it is a moment. You know, it is just a moment. And uh, whew, God bless them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's the way of the world. Um, but I did like your show. And I thought the way that they raised their kids was was uh, interesting and fun and 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 tough and and all that. So, yeah. Uh, the, well, the young the 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 youngest daughter, the black daughter, that's their grandchild. His their son had a baby with the black woman. Uh, yeah. Well, they've always been trying to get custody, but not really. <laughs> Like we're kind of getting custody, but not really getting custody, because you know they both had some challenges to be parents, both of them, the mother and the father. So they've they've had their challenges. Uh, and this girl, she's got to be ten years old by now, a little maybe older by this point. You know, uh, I haven't watched them in a very long time, uh, and you could catch them in syndication because they're always on, like. I don't know, like USA Today or some old show, you know, some network. They're they're on somewhere in the world uh, all the time, and uh, you know, interesting people, uh, swindlers. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, I I listen. I don't. I don't purport sympathy. I'm just saying. I I know that moment, what they're facing right now, and how challenging it's going to be. Because that first moment when you step in behind those bars and those doors close and then that you got to strip down and be searched and it's invasive and it is not private and and it's tough. It is it is it is. That's the first. That's the first. Uh, that's the beginning of having your spirit broken. That is the very beginning. That's the first act of you're losing your humanity <laughs> that it, it is the first moment that you walk in there and they got you that's it you know not in the waiting room where you're sitting there and you're waiting for somebody to come walk you down that's that's not it that's nice and you're like oh well, this isn't so bad until you get behind the bars and you hear the click 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 click
you know, holding cell, that place where they hold you. And it's so, and it's, I think it's deliberately dark in there. Like you feel like you're, you, you, I mean, I, I couldn't help but feel like a slave, like a runaway slave. Like that's, how, <laughs> I, I don't mean that to be funny. I mean that in all sincerity, it's very dark in there and sparse, you know, and then you sit in there. That's why I say go, uh, and my brother told me this, go in the morning. Don't go at noon because noon, the, the noon, a lot of things happen in, around this country. In every prison around this country at noon, there's a count. There's a count in the morning, but you have you will have missed that. But the count starts at noon, so everybody's got to lock in place and, and lunch and changing of the guards, you know, the COs and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so that is, so you get caught up in that whole thing at 12 o'clock, you know, you sitting around till about two o'clock when they come get you and find you and then give you your clothes and all that kind of stuff. You want to be ahead of that mess. You want to be ahead of that, you know, and I get it. Some people are like, well, I want every last bit of time out, last bit of time out. And I'm like, no, get in there. So listen, Martha Stewart did it. She did her five. Martha did less time for me, less time than I, more time than I did for about the same amount of money. <laughs> I heard a joke about it the other day. <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard a joke about it. I was like, she's like, oh, like, she's like, listen, I did my time five months. She did five months. She. I was like, okay, go ahead, Martha. So I, I listen, listen. So I would, if I were the Chrisleys, I'd get in there early. So she's going to Kentucky, and he's going to Florida. And I'm like, oh, it, it, listen, it ain't gonna be like being home, people. You, you, you gonna learn real fast. <laughs> this, oh, prison is a tough, tough. Tough, tough. I we I don't know why we want prison to be, you know, punitive the way that we do. But that's for another. That's for that's a that's a story for another day. I'll leave that alone. Uh, I just know what they're facing, and uh, and again, I I'm not I'm not trying to have sympathy. I'm having empathy for them. You get what you get. You get what you get. You get what you get. But I just know what they're walking into this morning or today and how hard it's going to be, how hard it's going to be. But I will tell you, I will say this. People in prison are some of the most graced filled people I've ever met in my life. People took such good care of me, such good care of me. People took such good care of me, you know, Beatrice Codiani, who was waiting for me when I arrived and she had the inner city news. She had the, no, she had the New Haven Register and one of the, Har or the Hartford paper. And I'm on the front of the paper. You know, I'm on the front of the damn paper. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I had known her from Fairhaven community a little bit. Like I'd known her a little bit, not a lot, but I knew her, knew of her. We sort of passed each other, you know, in doing organizing work way back in the day. And uh, and she was in prison for like 26 years. So that so that tells you how long ago I, I knew of her. So anyway, when I get there, she 
she is outside, standing outside with the paper with my picture on it. I see it. And, uh, and she says to me, listen, you've done some good work in the community and people know that about you. So you just come in here, mind your business, do what you're told to do, and you'll be fine. That's that's all she said. She didn't say hi, bye, or other. She's like, you've done some good work in the community. People know that about you. You're going to be all right in here. And I was like, okay. But I was so, I was just so trying to, you know, I had stopped crying already because I was I was crying when I was getting strip searched. And not because I was getting strip searched. I wasn't, I wasn't crying about that. I was crying because the, because the guards that were doing the strip search started asking me about my kids. And when they asked me about my kids, I started crying. I was like, oh my God. And then, and then they politely told me, bitch, if you don't dry them tears, because if you go in there crying with that bitch ass look, they're going to eat you up in there. She's like, I was like, <laughs> and, then I, and then I remember who I was and whose I was. And I got it together. I was like, you know what? I, I can, this is what it's going to be. I'm built tough. And God, swear to God, I'm built tough. So I got it together. And so when I was, when they were walking me down, that's when I met Saw Beatrice, you know, and then, uh, 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 I got I got taken to the place where they give you your your clothes, you know the, the, those god awful uh, those god awful khakis, you know terrible terrible khakis that I that I don't wear to this day. Like I don't wear nothing khaki to this day. To this day, I don't wear green or tan or no kind of khaki. I don't wear any khaki. So um, so I go and I get I get the issued clothing. Cause they take all your clothes. So I, I so I, I, I get fresh, these, you know, linen khakis and then some flip-flop kind of things. Um, and, you know, they have this thing in prison where when one woman leaves, if you can fit her shoes, they'll give them to you, you know, cause they don't give you, it takes a while for you to get some shoes, which I don't understand none of that. But so somebody gave me, somebody gave me some shoes and I was grateful. And I was like, thank you. And, you know, you know, and, you know, you have to pay attention to like what is happening around you. Like, why is somebody giving you this? Like, do you need to, you know, is this going to be like a gift and I have to repay this back or some foolishness? No, it was never anything like that for me, you know, and, and here's the other saving grace for me too. I had, um, I had, um, uh, printed out, uh, my address and my number for my church family so that they could write to me beforehand. I was like, well, if you want to write to me, this is how you do it. So I made labels and stuff for them so that they wouldn't have to figure out how to, because there's a specific way you have to write on an envelope. So I made a whole bunch of labels for my church family. So I will tell you when I got, when I, I that very day that I arrived, mail was waiting for me and people were freaked out by that. The other, the other women inmates were like, what the hell? <laughs> and let me tell you something. I had mail every single day that I was there. People wrote to me, not just one letter. I had like 10, 15 letters every damn day. I still have the letters in a box somewhere. People wrote to me every day. Every day mail came. And, and what that did was it said to everybody else in prison, that this woman is cared for. 
Do you know what I mean? So it would be very difficult for somebody to take advantage of me. It'd be very difficult for somebody to like jam me up or whatever, because I had people on the outside who were very concerned about my well-being. So my my minister came up like that first week and she came up twice, but she couldn't get in. They wouldn't let her in because my visitor role hadn't been um, okayed. And I didn't I didn't put many people on my visitor role. Actually, I just I think it was only just my minister. I wouldn't let my kids come up. Uh, so I told Lawrence, no, we're not bringing the kids here. That's not happening. Um, uh, and they were little, little, little. So so, so we didn't do any of that. Um, but I got mail every day. My church family wrote to me. I mean, wrote to me. And and some of my other friends wrote to me. So uh, friends tried to send me books. But again, you know, because they tell you what you can do, but they don't tell you that it takes forever to do it. Uh, I didn't get any phone privileges until the week I was leaving because it takes so long to process people. So, and no one knew how much time I had except uh, one or two of the the prison personnel people. So, um, so I didn't I didn't get to use the phone until the week before I I left. You know, and that was and that and I just had my sister, my sister, and I did get email rather quickly. Like I got email, they gave me an email. And I could go and I could email, uh, like I emailed Lawrence and um, I think my sister and a couple other people uh, for the most part. And it was, it was, you know, and it took a long time, right? Because I had to check everything, read everything and, you know, anyway. So I'll talk more about it in a minute. But let me, let me give you some, uh, let me give you some of this PSA. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back. I'll start with the PSA. And then, uh, yeah, I'll finish my prison recanting story, I think. So I'll be back. Hi, this is Bath Girl by And you're listening to WNHHL 103.5 FM, streaming live at
got me going in circles. Lord Winslow, I ain't gonna be your Urkel. But I can't find the strength, I need to let you know. Damn, I really need to let you go. I'm tired of being your April fool. We get back together, then you do me like you do. And I ain't used to feeling like this. I'm supposed to be happy, I'm rich. Instead, you got it again of late. Tossing and turning, handy in a cup, cush roll, and it's burning. Yeah, I know I gotta get a grip Cause I can't keep living like this You must think I'm supposed to be Here with you and I won't leave No, I can't keep playing a fool I'm done with you This ain't how it's supposed to be You don't act the same with me No, I can't keep playing a fool I'm done with you I'm gonna pack up and leave Then you Thinking they frank, but really they hostas They feeling the rain on the ponchos 
conscious. They shell it again like a conscious. That's what the meaning of clearing the conscious. Hey, in process, yeah. They trying to keep up with their confidence. They trying to beat us with their glasses, yeah. Really can't see, give them glasses. Leaving them brainless as hostage, yeah. I flick them and hit them and clip them and pass them. Leaving them dying, I'm out in the ashes. Saying I'm dead, they apostle. I burn them, they dread it like glasses, yeah. They see it how I want to do it. That's how I'm flipping for profits, yeah. In the cockpit, that mean and I'm so clean, and boy, you can't wash it. All that I do is just gossip. Boy, you better watch it, cause them shells be coming out like pasta out of boxes. Yeah, no money they make it as nonsense. My money be making me monsters. That's what they know I got this. Man, I'm a gold like a Oscar. The words I speak in Banaka, that mean I'm fresh and I'm hotter. Don't let me bubble like hot tub. I'm calling shots like a shatter. High, blackity, blackity, blacker. I do it how I wanna do. seductive way and it flows like a river the same way every day and I look forward to it every time I hope you have someone like that in your life who winks at you and makes you feel fine cause it's a long way down the river and it's a long way home and I hope you have someone special in your life smiles with you and helps you have fun
house next door to me Walks his old dog every day And I watch as he walks by my window And one day I'm gonna say hey And it flows like a river the same way every day And I look forward to it every time I hope you have someone like that in your life To say hey to and make feel fine Cause it's a long way down the river And it's a long way home And I hope you have someone special in your life Who smiles with you and helps you have fun Yes, I hope you have someone special in your life Who smiles with you and helps you have fun Time goes by so fast Like a blink of an eye Every second you live A part of you will die No control over what you are And what is real Make decisions based off a nice little fairy tales Can I tell you a story Second hour of Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. It is Tuesday, January 17th, and the weather is like Maryland. (laughs) 
All right, let me let me get my PSA on because I have said to the uh, Sisters of Links Incorporated, the New Haven chapter, Connecticut chapter, that I would run this, say this PSA for the month of January. And I didn't get it done in the first hour. Uh, so I'm getting it done in the second hour. January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Do you know someone who was a victim of human trafficking? Human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery with illegal smuggling and trading of people for forced labor and or sexual and physical abuse. This is a worldwide problem as well in our beautiful state of Connecticut. Traffickers target people, both boys and girls, who are vulnerable to promises of a better life and enforcing them and then forcing them to live and work in unfair and abusive conditions. Many traffickers are well known, living near us and promising and convincing young people and families that their children will have a better life in a new place. Under the United States federal and Connecticut state laws, human trafficking is a crime. Let's work together to protect our children against these horrific crimes. If you or someone you know is a victim uh, of human trafficking, or you would like to learn more about this section, this serious issue in our society, please contact Love 146 at 203-772-4420. That's 203-772-4420. We need your help. This public service announcement is being sponsored by the Waterbury, Connecticut chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. So, all right, you know, uh, trafficking, the the, uh, the the stopping of trafficking, human trafficking is near and dear to my heart for personal and humanity reasons. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. So when I left off, I was telling you that when I was uh, at the Danbury Federal Prison Camp, uh, I got letters every day from my church family and other friends and sorority sisters. Um, and that that made all the difference. I kept them all. I have them all gathered. Um, and, I, and I haven't read them since then. So, uh, but people were just checking in and just trying to keep the faith and um, uh, stuff like that. Um, my my minister would mail sermons, you know, because we dictated our, we, uh, you know, we uh, streamed our sermons before streaming was even a thing. We recorded them um, because we had uh, elderly members who could not attend. Uh, so um, they would be uh, recorded and then transcribed. And uh, and she would periodically send, I mean, she wrote me all the time, but periodically she would send me, um, she would send me a sermon. Uh, and I just found it all helpful. So, uh, so I, and I'm bringing this up because I know that the Chrisleys are, are walking into federal prison today, prison camps in different places. Uh, she's going to Kentucky and he's going to uh, uh, Florida and uh, and what that was like. Um, I hope I hope they got good counsel about what to do in there. And I mean, I was so prepared. I was so unbelievably prepared, but not prepared. I mean, you're never prepared to lose your freedom. Uh, but at least I had a fighting chance of surviving in ways that other people who just walked in did not. So I'm always going to be grateful for that. I'm telling you, I benefit from undeserved grace every day of my life. So um, so I was I was. It was it was it was stunning to get the, the mail, and my friend Ron Thomas tried to uh, send me books, 
but they, you know, but because I was just new, I hadn't gotten through the intake process. Um, he couldn't send them. So I was like, okay. Cause he was so nervous that I was in there without, you know, things to do. <laughs> and there was a whole library. I read a book a day because it takes about 30 days to process you. I had already uh, went through the, you know, my prescription. I brought, I brought a hardcore prescription and then I brought my prescription pills. I bought uh, and and I brought my CPAP machine. They let me bring that in without any problems, you know, and distilled water. Who knew? So so they let me do that. Um, and that 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 was fine. Uh, and I, I it took 30 days to process you. So to intake you. So so I was like in a big dorm room. Right. Like it was like you know, room, a holding room. I spent my whole time there. I never got assigned to a, a cell. And I never got assigned to a cell because I wasn't there long enough. Um, I didn't get an um, internal exam either because I wasn't there long enough, which I'm grateful. Um, they did mess up my pills. So they, they, uh, they decided to give me something else rather than what I was prescribed. <laughs> I was like, Are you know, and yeah, there's nothing you could do. Like, this, I, I didn't have any phone privileges, so I couldn't call anybody. And uh so I had so they gave me enough of my prescription for like 15 days. And then they were like, Well, we're gonna get you a new prescription of what we think you should have. Swear to God. <laughs> These doctors don't know me from nobody. They don't have my medical records, nothing. That's based on the prescription that I brought in. Oh no, we're gonna change this and give you something else. Swear to God. So I started rationing my own pills because they were like, well, when you finish these pills, uh, uh, you come back and let us know. But we know we're going to give you 15, 16 or 20 pills or whatever it was, like 15 to 20 pills of my own medicine that I came in with. But we're going to get we're going to get you the prescription for what we think you should have. Not this. <laughs> I was like, I I don't know, y'all. Like, what what is this? Like, what? Oh, well, given that you're on these, you should be on this and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. But so, so I had enough pills to get me halfway through. And then whatever they gave me, I just didn't take. I just didn't take it. So I don't know my blood pressure. I probably could have had a stroke in there because I didn't take whatever they gave me. I just didn't trust it. And I was so, you know. <laughs> See, this is this is what privilege is, and I and I knew I knew it. I I don't give a damn what the hell y'all are prescribing. I don't know you. I'm not taking based on your judgment, and uh, I don't know if I can trust your judgment because you're not having a conversation with me about my my health. You are making assumptions. <laughs> I, you know, it was that kind of stuff that gets you locked up in solitary confinement. <laughs> I, they didn't. I think they gave me some grace because they were like, okay, she just got here. <laughs> I was just incensed. And then I had to realize I'm not on the streets. I'm in I'm in this place that they tell me. Lord have mercy. So so that was that. So I had to have their pills. I didn't take them. I just like, I'll just wait till I go home. And, and and they had my pills. When I left, they gave me my pills back. Thank you. It's like, okay. 
So the same with the food. I couldn't, you know, I I, I had to put in for dietary uh, restrictions, right? Because you have a milk protein allergy, but that takes a while. So in the meantime, I had to eat what, what, what was ever in front of me. It wasn't, the food wasn't awful. Like I ate all right. I got up in the morning, I had eggs, you know, whatever. Like I knew I couldn't have, you know, they had some Jewish women in there who um, uh, they they fixed some food for and they call themselves being healthy cooking. Right. So you, you know, you could always tell who if the brothers was back there cooking, the food was good. If the brothers wasn't back there cooking, but it was always a brother back there. So like a head chef, somebody or other. And so I was having conversations about about it. And then I guess he realized I was the inmate. Then he got like all snotty with me about you know, who do I think I am kind of ish. And I, we were having a perfectly legit conversation because I was like, well, you know, my background is in culinary, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I have this allergy now. And he was really talking. To, and then he was like, uh, I don't care. <laughs> it just cold went mean. I was like. And so the other other ladies were like, you don't got to talk to her like that. She's just trying to figure out what she can eat so that she she won't get sick. He's like, that's my problem. I was like, damn, I'm just trying to have a conversation with you about ingredients, brother. Just, you don't got to be an asshole, but he was. So anyway, I'm telling you, people just were so helpful to me. So, so I would, you know, I'd always have a salad. I always, you would have thought I would have lost some weight in there, but I didn't. Because when I went to put my clothes back on after 29 days, they were snug. Like I couldn't get them. And I should have, I should have just made myself wear those clothes. I wore, um, uh, I bought myself, what did I buy? You know, like hospital, you know that hospital, no, sweat, sweatsuit. I couldn't figure out what it was. So I bought myself while I was in there, a sweatshirt and a sweatpants, I think. Or they give you that. I think they give you that. I think they give you a sweatsuit. They gave me a sweatsuit. And I wore, I didn't keep, you don't keep the khakis, but the sweatsuit you can keep. So I wore the sweatsuit out. And then when I got home, uh, I had it for a couple of days and I threw it away. I was like, I don't want this mess. It's not even flattering. (laughs) It's like, why am I wearing this prison clothes? (laughs) I'm not wearing prison clothes anywhere. I can laugh at it now, but then I was suicidal. <laughs> so it's funny now, but it wasn't then. I was the hell of suicidal then, but I was like, I'm not wearing these prison clothes. What the hell am I going to do with this mess? So, hi. So I just was like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm throwing these away. I threw them away, never looked back. So you'll never catch me in a gray sweatsuit, and you'll never catch me in khakis, ever. Not green, not tan. Not burgundy ever. So that's <laughs> that's that's the story. <laughs> so so um so yeah, so I put on some weight because all I could eat was like potatoes and salad and bacon, sometimes sausages. Like I could eat stuff that didn't have, you know, um butter in them. And they had all kinds of buttery things, but you know, I it was all right. I made breakfast, lunch, and dinner every every day. Uh, I walked the track a little bit because it was nice. It was beautiful up there in October because I was up there from October 1st 
to October 28th or October 29th. Uh, and, you know, Danbury is beautiful. There, you know, the views, the vistas was lovely. So I would, and there was a little gym down there by the track. You could lift weights or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I just walked the track. And I'd walk the track in the morning. I walked the track a couple of times in the morning. I'd bring my book. I'd walk the track, sit down, read some, walk a little bit more. I mean, because I didn't have anything to do. Sometimes I go up to the chapel, sit in the chapel. Um, sometimes I sit in on people's study groups, you know, like uh, Bible, Bible, Bible class. I couldn't abide those too much because they were just ridiculous. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I just talked to women. Sometimes I go to the library, and then when they found out I could read and write, that's that's when it really, I really just started. Uh, reading letters and writing letters for people in jail and prison, and uh, that's how it. That's how it gave me some purpose. You know, it gave me some purpose. You know, we we had they'd have movie nights, so I go and watch TV somewhere. I didn't oftentimes like that. I mean, yeah, there was fights in there. People would fight, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, it was just a lot of hard. There's a lot of pain in prison. There's a lot of pain, you know, and it's it's unfortunate that you have such a captive audience and no programming to deprogram that trauma from people. I mean, it's such a captive audience, like colleges and universities don't even have that kind of captive audience. And if, if they would only just see prison as I mean, it's, it should be enough that you're away from your family and your community. But to create the conditions in prisons that you're so vulnerable to manipulation and violence and, you know, it's just, it's it's such a missed opportunity, clearly a missed, missed opportunity. Because, you know, people on the outside be like, well, why should they get all that? Why couldn't they just get, why couldn't they just behave themselves on the outside? And, and then they could have got all this on the outside. Why should I have to pay to have them uh, get all this on the inside? I don't get this. My kids ain't going to college, blah, blah, blah. We not pay. I can't afford, I can't. Da-da. And you're just like, do you, do you want these people to come back and wreak havoc in your communities? Do you, do you want a different outcome? You know, do you want to change the trajectory of poverty and lack? And that's that's the that's where uh, it becomes problematic. And I, you know, I get it. You know, you know, I I, I can see where people are like, I don't want to educate a pedophile. I don't want to educate a mass murderer. I don't want to educate people who have done so much trauma and harm. I get it. But the majority of the people in prison are, are, are not murderers and human traffickers and all this other kind of stuff. That Most of them are in there um, for, for nonviolent kinds of things. And uh, we should be able to sort of uh, have a track for people who have not committed violent crimes you know so anyway it was uh i don't know why i'm oh because the chrisley's got me talking about prison because i'm thinking about what they're going to face and what they have to deal with you know uh 
and 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 how they're gonna make friends or not make friends in prison. You know, um, I came with uh, I came with you couldn't have more than a hundred dollars on your books, you know, which is your account. So I came with a hundred dollar money order, and I came with a hundred dollars in cash just in case. So, um, so they they took them both. So I ended up with two hundred dollars, but I couldn't access it for like a week. <laughs> That's what I mean. The, just the sheer foolishness of things is 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 stunning. Just the just the foolishness of prison and the way that they do things. And I'm sure there is some rationale or some reasoning behind why things take so long. And I and I would imagine that it is based on an archaic system of checks and balances. But it's just so you know, you just have to wait. So I didn't need people to send me any money because I had money waiting on the books, you know, to buy stuff. And I I on all I just spent money on stamps, you know. So, uh, so I just, I, that's what I did. And, uh, in paper. And then you had to buy your own little toiletries beyond what they, you know, when you walk in, they give you a little travel bag of stuff, like a toothbrush, toothpaste. That kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, all right, I, I'm gonna deal with this. <laughs> and then, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting. It's an interest. It's, it's an interesting experience to go to prison. I, like I said, I, I don't think I could have lasted longer than what, what I was in there. I think 29 days was 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 it. Cause I could feel I could feel those last few that last week. Cause I didn't tell people how long I was gonna be in there while I was in there, because they were like, don't do that. Because you know, ish can happen to you. You know, they could you could get to a fight and that prolongs your stay and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, I was easy, breezy, limit, squeezy in there. I I how I am is how I was. I didn't go in there hard in like I was a badass. I didn't. I just went in there like how I am. Like, talked to people, found out about people, you know, d- delved into their lives, how they got here. You know, some of the stories were just like, I was just like, whew, you know. But I could, I could feel, you know, I could feel the shift coming. So I'm glad that I left when I left. You know that I that it was only 29 days because I think. I would have had to be caught. I would have had to make some decisions about how to align myself with folks, you know, de- depending on, you know, how I'm paying attention to who who does what and who, you know, how do you how do you stay out of the way, you know. So I so I came in there already with the religious slant. So I was already going to Bible study and prayer meetings. So I was already doing doing that. Only because it just felt like a safe space to, to to be in. I didn't care about these ministers and their foolishness, but some of them were genuinely 
concerned and doing the work of God, I, I would imagine. Um, but I, I, I made, I just was looking at the landscape and where I needed to have alliances, you know, I honestly, God, I mean, you just, you just have to sort of think like that a little bit, nothing happened to me, but I could feel it coming. Cause you know, I could feel it coming. And so I just was like, okay, this is getting a little tense, <laughs> you know, toward the end that, you know, the last couple of days, you know, that last week it was tense. And uh, I was like, okay. Uh, and I, I didn't really, and listen to my surprise when they, when they brought me, when the, when the head CEO, Kate brought it or whatever she was, I don't know, psychology, I don't know what she did. Overseer. <laughs> I'll just say overseer. <laughs> she brought me in and she said, oh, you're leaving on the 29th. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, they count the day in jail, the day in court as a day served. Oh, that made me so unbelievably happy. I was so happy. Cause I just was, I was just my my man, my mind was October 30th, I will be walking out of here. No, I walked out first thing, October 29th. I barely ate breakfast. But I wanted to have, there were some women in there who who were so amazing that I, they wanted to have breakfast. So I had breakfast and then I got my ish. And I was like, when they called me, I was ready to go. I didn't have to go pack nothing. I was already packed. Because <laughs> when she had told me the 29th, <laughs> I was ready like Freddie to rock real steady. Let me tell you something. And so when I walked out of there, I was just like, it, and it just felt like, it just felt like an unbelievable time warp like I felt like I was in another dimension and when I walked free it was uh it, it was something it really was something I mean I, as soon as I got through the doors I felt free like I felt free and my brother was right there <laughs> my brother and his wife was right there they wasn't late they was right there when I walked out, I was like, let's go. Whoop, whoop. Because <laughs> they dropped me off. And, and I know, I I knew that this pained my brother more than anything. Like he never, he never said, he never, he never let on. And I know through his connections that my safety was, was, was of importance. He never said anything to me about this time. Nothing. He never had a judgment about it. He never, I, but I know that it broke his heart that I had to go do this, right? Like I, I knew it, um, but he he just was like, okay, we got you. We're gonna get you there. We'll get you back. He held down my household with 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 Lawrence, you know, more, he, you know, and just it just handled it. And then when he came and got me, dropped me off, I was just grateful, you know. And when I got home, my friend Ron came right over. He's like, oh, I'm coming right over right now. I was like, I'm not even like I. I, and I, it took me a minute to get my bearings in my own house. Like it took me a minute, you know, like I didn't just ease back. It took me like a, like the first night that I slept in my bed, I, 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 I couldn't rest, like I, I couldn't rest, but it only took me like a day or two. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm home. You know, my own bathroom, 
you know, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I look at the clock and I'd go, they're doing a count around the nation in every prison and prison camp in this country right now. And I used to hold that time that, you know, that space for that time. I don't know. I can't even tell you what time they would come through now. I want to say like four o'clock in the morning, but I don't, you know, I don't, you know, lights out, lights out, I think at 10 and then 11 on the weekends, you know? So I was like, oh, so, so yeah, it took me a minute to, uh, I got home and my friend Ron came right over. <laughs> I was like, and I just looked terrible. Like I had any prison sweatpants and sweat outfit. And I just was like, I didn't, I just couldn't, I, you know, my kids hadn't gotten home. So I got, I got home before they were. So when Lawrence picked them up from school, they got out the car and that little Margo came running. Mommy! Oh my God, I miss you, mommy. Like she came running. The other ones, they not so much. <laughs> they were just like, hey, mom. <laughs> Glad you're home, mom. <laughs> not Margo. She came running. And jumped on me and just was so glad and started crying. And I just thought, I I don't ever want to have this experience again in my life. I don't. It was uh it was quite challenging. And I got through it. And through the grace of God, uh I got through it. So I got through it. And and we uh, did the damn thing. So and so I'd spend the next few years trying to sort of stay out of the public eye and stay out of the people's minds and just um, you know quiet and all of that. And here I am. So that's some of the story. Not all of it, but that's some of it. Some of it. So, yeah. So I'm thinking about, I mean, people are going to prison all day, every day, all the time. So it's not that I'm so fixated on the Chrisleys, but it's just such a public, um, it's such a public case and it's a white collar case. And I know something about white collar cases because of my own. So that's really, that's the only, the only real reach here is that, you know, I, I, I know what they're going to face, but you know, they're white people. So it's going to be a bit different for them. And, you know, I'm I, as a black person that committed a white collar crime, which is its own anomaly, its own unicorn. Right. Because I don't know, like less than three percent of people in prison are white collar criminals. And 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 the majority of them are white. So then you just throw me at it. When I was there, when I was at Danbury Federal Prison Camp, there was a black woman there who was a banker. And she was serving. She was serving a ridiculous amount of time, um, but she was the only other black woman, white collar person in there, like myself. You know, hers was a paper crime. Oh no, and there was a, a, another black woman. There was this other black woman in there who she didn't tell her family she was going to prison. She told her. She told a couple of people to keep up her apartment because she had to do. I don't know like 18 months or some old thing. Like it was some time that she just knew she could fake it. Um, and I said, well, don't your, wouldn't your family come by your house and be like, if they don't see you or whatever? She's like, well, I used to travel all the time. So they would just assume 
I was away or whatever. I said, well, how are you going to maintain your apartment? Like, oh, I put enough money away. So my friends, you know, the people I know, the bill, the, you know, the rent will get paid. The So when I walk back, I walk back into my, my life fully. I just was amazed by that story. I don't know what happened to her. I can't remember her name. I guess if I looked it up, because I think I wrote people's names down um, on a piece of paper as I met them. But um, I was just baffled by that. Uh, it just, I just was blown away by that revelation. I was like, girl, what? <laughs> I was like, huh? So, yeah, but the majority of crimes were drug crimes or people, particularly with women, they were, they were being, you know, they were holding drugs for boyfriends. And here's the crazy part. This was the crazy part as far as I'm concerned. There'd be, there'd be these guys who had drug girlfriends, you know, women who hold stuff at different houses around the same city. So they was they was keeping house with different women with the same intensity as each woman. So each woman thought that she was, you know, the woman. Crazy. I don't know how you do that. I don't, I don't know if anybody could talk me into holding some damn drugs. I, I don't, I don't, you got kids. And some of these women were, I remember somebody came and got me out of my, out of the, found me because there was a woman on the phone. Her mother was watching the children and they were being evicted. She was on the phone with them trying to, you know, uh, figure this out while they are removing stuff from her house with her grandma. Her grandmother didn't know what to do. Her mother didn't know what to do. So they came to get me and they were like, you, you worked in housing. What could she do? I was just, I was like, well, do you, do you have an attorney? Do you have a legal aid? You need to catch up with some legal aid. Um, you know, if you get an attorney, they could probably stop this rather quickly. And so she that's what she told her grandmother to do. And, the, and then they got an attorney and it, they did stop it, you know. But she ended up getting kicked out of public housing because public housing doesn't allow for you to, you know, serve time and come back into housing. Even though her mother uh, was watching the children, but her mother wasn't the person on the lease. Her mother was just there watching the kids, you know, being the irresponsible adult. But they didn't want to hear that. I was like, ooh, you should be in New Haven. You'd have a better chance. At least we have a kind and caring housing authority leader. But I don't know where she was. I want to say down south somewhere, which would make sense. But it was painful. I just was like, she was crying. Her mother was crying. Everybody was crying. I was like, y'all gonna have to stop crying. I can't, I can't hear. <laughs> and you know, you can't really help people when you're on the phone with them, right? Because the CEOs would be like, get, you know, they walk in and monitoring. And so I had to like stand back and like shout. <laughs> and then they didn't like that. So I had to like walk by and then walk by again. I mean, it was just a whole. It was just a whole level of chaos, you know. And and the good part is I, I'm a calm person by nature. Like, so I was calm and I'm a thinking person. So I'm always thinking about, you know, situations and how to move through situations. So I was just like walking through really quickly, just trying to, 
you know, give her some advice on what to do. Like, because you can't stand there and like talk to them while they're on, when people are having phone privileges, you know, or you could get in the line and act like you're waiting to get on the phone. And I didn't have any phone privileges, but, you know, COs don't know that. I mean, they don't know. They just don't see you on the phone. They just think, oh, she's not using the phone. So anyway. So yeah, that was that was one of many harrowing stories uh, of, of prison, and, I, and I'm only talking about this because of the Chrisleys going to prison today, <laughs> and I and I know what that's going to feel like, you know, I, I know how that's going to feel. So that first night is going to be uh, challenging. So anyway, I got to go. I got to get in the win. Thank y'all for hanging out with me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday. And uh, I don't think I have a guest. So it's just me, me, me and you. Me and you. It's just me and you. I'm here. You're here. We're here. So I'll see y'all tomorrow. Thanks, Harry. See y'all later. Whispering something